Hello and welcome to Gaming from the First Age. Uh, my name is First Age and uh, yes, I am still here. So a slightly uh, occasional uh, podcast as it may be. Uh, I'm still here and I will still be podcasting uh, throughout 2023. The subject of this podcast is a simple look back on 2022. I thought I would give you my uh, like view of where, where I've got to, uh, what I've been playing, what's struck me about the things that I've been uh, seeing over the course of the year, and maybe a little bit about what's going on for 2023. Well, I trust that you've had a good year. Have you? I hope so. Uh, and maybe also a good year of role-playing gaming? I, I hope so as well. I, I am, as you may gather, well, it's the right time, isn't it? Time of recording is the 29th of December. So I'm, I'm sort of at an end-of-year reflective mood. So I thought I'd, I'd give my 2022 RPG year in review with the highs and some of the highers. Now, as background, it's probably worth noting, if, if you don't know, I mean, what if you don't know, why don't you know, that I retired early, uh, I have to say, quite early, at the end of March. I think I might be one of the people that the government is, uh, or the UK government anyway, is trying to get back into the workplace so that I can be, I don't know, economically more useful, I suppose. Uh, we are, of course, all just neoliberal uh, economic units, aren't we? Well, my pension is taxed, I suppose, so uh, I suppose that's something. But by now, well, I'm nine months on, so I'm, I'm well and truly retired, and I've become rather accustomed, to have to say, to the, well, the lower money and the, uh, and the lower stress and more personal time. So um, there is all, all of that to consider. That's my phone going off. How professional. So this change will lead me to a, well, a hopefully a lengthy Act 3 in my life. And it's also enabled some, some more carefree RPG gaming, which is cert well, that was certainly part of the plan. I wasn't quite sure what would happen, but it certainly has proven to be uh, a rich year for the RPG uh, gaming. Now we all have a spreadsheet to log our gaming sessions for the year, right? Well, all right, I do. And, and if you don't, well, well, why not? You should do, it's, it's absolutely essential. <laughs> so with this in mind, I have had a bumper year of games. I am looking at my spreadsheet and uh, I've done a pie chart as well, honestly. Uh, a bumper year. And so I'll be here both in terms of sessions count, and I would say high quality fun experiences as well. An occasional misstep, I might, I might confess to one. But the headline count, for me, is a record 115 sessions played in the year. Now, all right, so that's more than two a week on average. I think there are reasons for that. And because, well, this would be a running theme, I almost wondered if it should be more. You know, I'm retired. What earth am I doing? Why isn't it every day? And were it every day? Well, you know, it would be what three hundred and fifty plus sessions. So really, I'm I'm just I'm just a laggard. One hundred and fifteen, though, not bad, not bad. And they're spread over several things. Uh, there have been some grand campaign arcs and some bursts of convention play, which have topped up the numbers quite well. It's unlikely I could have sustained such a volume whilst working and with home life combined, but seems now to be an achievable and sustainable number. Let's see what 2023 
brings, I suspect, probably more of the same. Now, three games have dominated my 115-2022 schedule, and all of them, I have to say, are the D&Ds, or at least the D&D Persuasions. D&D 4th edition comes out on top at 29 sessions. This campaign has run throughout the year and has continued to delight, with occasional confer online play thrown in. That's a confer being an online convention for 4th edition that I currently occasionally um, switch on. Now, I've waxed lyrical about this version of the Dragon Game on my YouTube channel and probably here before, the heroic tier, as levels 1 to 10, will be fully explored in this campaign, with us heading towards, I think, a finale during the early part of 2023. So, it's been good, but I guess all good things should, and probably will, probably, <laughs> probably, come to an end. Now, second up is the Curse of Strahd campaign. Good old 5e, 25 sessions, at least by my count, this year ably run by my good mate Dom. This is, I think, I think it's something like three years of actual play, of actual time of play, and has sprawled into one of the most mega campaigns that I very rarely get to play. The character arcs have been interesting, and the adventures within this campaign have built to, well, now, what is quite a dramatic conclusion which I think we're about to play out in early January. And I think we've literally got a couple of sessions left. The game has been very, very good. 5e, just like 4e really, can sustain long-term play and has got plenty of progression uh, for characters and for story. Uh, it, it does the job pretty well. I mean, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't pick 5e over 4e myself and I probably wouldn't pick either of them to a, to a degree over other things but of the D&Ds 4E probably still wins out for me having had a good taste of both but the game has been very good I have enjoyed my 5E it's provided a solid enough framework I'm going to say for play and I'm looking forward to the denouement and the space actually to start up new adventures in other realms now I've got another friend Nathan who is also running a very short series of adventures which will also run into January 2023. I shall have fun in and around Neverwinter 2. So there we are, some D&Ds. But that's two of the D&Ds. The third D&D, the other sort of big hitter, is my good mate Pete. I have a lot of good mates and they're all good GMs. And he's been running the occasional Pathfinder 2nd edition. Now I've got the countdown at 15, rightly or wrongly. So another D&D family game. I always hugely enjoy Pathfinder 2nd Edition. It's it's a great game. It's a flexible, balanced and powerful version of the big game that has a modular approach with a lot of optional extensions. The core game, which was largely what we're playing really, sings along very, very smoothly. And I like how this particular game, I'm not, actually, I'm not entirely sure what the setup is, but it's a simple setup. I think it's some sort of abomination vault thing. But it, it, it's allowing us to focus on some tactical map adventure in what looks to be the opening scenes of potentially an old-fashioned mega dungeon. I enjoy this game. It's light. There's a lot of uh, ribald chat, good friends, uh, and good old, I would say, uncomplicated fun. A quick D&D aside, actually, that I also got to play some Castles and Crusades. Do you know that one? 
We, I played it, strangely enough, set in Dark Sun on the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel. It's a very cleverly put together and enjoyable, well, early D&D style game with slick modern mechanics is perhaps the way I would describe it. And I'd happily play much more, yes, even in uh, Athas, the realm of Dark Sun. So what I wonder is, will the, will the D&Ds dominate my play space so much next year? Strahd's on its way out, Nentia Vale, uh, my D&D 4E game, that's probably on, well, I say probably on its way out, it's certainly on its way out for the heroic tier. I mean, we'll come to 2023 planning in a moment, but I do wonder if if maybe it'll be other things, with only Pathfinder, perhaps, Pathfinder 2nd Edition continuing, and that other games will take their stead. And I wonder if these will provide similar long-term campaign play, or whether they will be shorter bursts. So perhaps... An unsurprising three frontrunners for my um, you know, big games that I have played during 2022. I'm doing a quick bit of sums here, 56, 66, 71 out of 115. So a good number, but I've played plenty of others. And perhaps we should talk about those others in a moment. Okay, let's look at My Gaming World 2022 beyond the D&Ds. And I have to say, it's been a year of considerable gaming highlights, branching out into very new places. I had a resolute desire to get Riot Minds's Trudvang Chronicles off the shelf for some actual play. I've had the box set and some of the other titles for really a very long time through Kickstarter and other acquisitions. And they've looked very pretty and they've sat on the shelf and I've been told equally resolutely by people that it's not really playable. In some ways that's almost incentivised me. It's lit the touch paper for me to actually give it a go and either prove them wrong or or sort of meekly sort of nod and say, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I see what's meant there. I've spoken about Trudvang, at least on my blog. It's a very interesting take. It is... An iteration of Drakaroch Demona, Dragons and Demons, which is the Swedish role-playing game. A license has been around for some time. We'll come back to that big style a bit later. It's got echoes of BRP from where Drakaroch Demona came from. But it's a current iteration. It's got a lot of skills. It's got a, well, it's quite a very sizable number of skills or disciplines and specialties. And quite an involved combat system which essentially says that you build up, depending on particular skill you're using, the particular weapon you're using, whatever disciplines and specialties you have across a number of uh, skill areas, will, will create for you an action point total, which can be spent each combat round. And depending on exactly what you do, that action point total can go up and down a little bit. But they give you points to spend, and the points you can then spend to decide how you're going to spend your skill skill levels in that particular round so it's a it it takes away from the skills themselves and abstracts them into action points and then you get to decide how to allocate them so it's quite tactical and you've got action points that are tied to particular types of actions because of where they've come from on your sheet so it's it's not just a big pool that you can do anything you like with it's a pool from which you can spend points on movement spend points on attacking parrying and other maneuvers 
I still like it. I like it for all that. And if you're going to embrace that flexibility, that's fine. But it does give you an additional cognitive load as a player and certainly an additional cognitive load as a GM. But I was determined to get it off the shelf. I thought, well, it's all well and good, but what does it feel like in actual play? Because that's when you really get to really get a feel for what it's like. I, I had a pretty good feeling. And it's paid off, actually, with some convention play, which, you know, for all my nervous front-loaded talk of over-complex combat system options, still delivered, I think, some good fun at the table and got some people very interested in the game and wanting to play it and some people probably confirming it's not really the game for them. So some players were even scurrying off to see if they could find copies. For which, sadly, the print availability for this now IP-sold game will languish in dusty stock cupboards and second-hand market, I suspect. I think the PDFs will only be found in the digital equivalent now. My collection actually isn't quite complete, but I think I have the PDFs before Riot Minds rushed off to other things. But Tridvan Chronicles has been a highlight and may feature for more sort of campaign gain or probably mini-campaign play next year. But this loss of the Trudvan Chronicles license has brought further happiness because the underlying system for Trudvang, the much respected Drakaroch Demona, Dragons and Demons, is a Swedish developed game and it's as, as indeed right minds are and they've been developing this since 1982, various companies based originally as I say on Chaosium's Magic World it has that BRP ancestry along with much development over, well, many versions. I th I'm not sure what the count is. It might be even up to 11. Uh, so they've turned it up to 11. Um, the rights for this have now passed to Free League, who are probably everybody's favourite RPG publisher. They've now successfully, well, of course it's them, kickstarted a new version of the game with an English translation. This is to be called Dragonbane, at least in the English, and presumably it's going to be continue to be called Drakaroch Demona to the Swedes. This is my most exciting system development of the year. It's a lightweight, high fantasy game. It's got all that I like of the BRP simplicity. It happens to be a D20 roll equal to or less than your skill. Uh, ones are criticals, twenties are fumbles, as it were. Ones being dragons, twenties being demons. But it's lavishly infused with free league design flourishes, which give you a, a really fun play experience. A nice sort of very simple, well, a deceptively simple card-based initiative system, which is um, which is dealt every round. But even within that, and this links to the action economy, uh, you've got the ability for players to swap cards between either themselves or the actual monsters to change the order in which things happen and that tactically can be very very useful. The action economy is interesting in that you can essentially move and undertake one action. So it's a one action economy with a move. That move can take place uh, before, after or indeed even during the action that uh, you want to undertake. But because you've got one action, you have to decide really between defence and attack fundamentally and where you are in the combat round what has happened around you significantly affects tactically what you do. The neat thing about the, the one-action economy is that it's quick, really quick. It's a beat. You make an impactful decision and you go with it. And in play, as I'll talk about later, I've actually found this works really, really well. 
You've also got the ability to push roles. Hey, it's Free League. So you get those sort of resonating echoes from the Year Zero Engine games. So yes, you can push. If you push, then you get a condition. And a condition is applied to one of your attributes. And each attribute controls a number of skills. So if you roll a skill for an attribute that has a condition, then you roll with what's called a bane. A bane being effectively disadvantage. You roll two dice and you take the worst. But again, you can make the decision. It's worth pushing a roll because it means that on a crucial roll, you get to roll another d20 and basically have another go to succeed. So it's it's quite a nice mechanic. So there's, there's, there's lots going on with the game that make it kind of a lot of fun to actually play, including, of course, the simplicity of your skills are on the sheet, you roll equal to or less than them, you succeed. So as a skill-based game, it, it works very well and it's very transparent. And for players who are new to it, and all, all the players that I've, I've run through the game with so far have been new to it, uh, have picked it up absolutely straight away and very quickly. So it is a very good, light pickup game, which I think was kind of one of the ideas. And indeed, this is probably the Drakaroch Demona version that plays easiest at conventions, whilst having plenty, I would say, for long-term play. Now, the time of writing, I've run only two sessions, well, no, three sessions now, both of, well, both of which, all three of which went down well, one at a convention and two with my family. Family game has just been riotous fun. They've really enjoyed the system and the game, and I'm, I'm busting to play it again. And I think probably what will happen is, is when I meet, basically my three older kids come together and, and, and meet me, I think there's going to be a, a regular feature. They were talking about an all-day game next time, so that tells you something about how well it's going. The game overall, in addition to playing with the family, I think will get a lot of play in 2023. So hooray for the Swedes. Another game that I wanted to mention that has really, really uh, worked for me is Cepheus Deluxe from Stella Gamma Publishing. This is probably now, as I, I may have mentioned elsewhere, my traveller base. It's the game that I start from and one I plan to run more of, hopefully in 2023. Although we'll see, it's got competitors. It's a lightened and honed version of, let's say, Traveller. And by Traveller, I would say uh, the, the Mongoose edition, for example. It does everything that I would want from a 2D6 system space opera. An unexpected and highly affordable big hit that, uh, for me, eclipses Mongoose Traveller 2nd edition. As much as I love what Mongoose is doing with the sort of Traveller IP. And indeed, on that subject... Did you, did you pick up the recent bundle of holding, which has oh, netted me an absolute displacement ton of Mongoose Traveller 2nd Edition recent titles on PDF? I mean, so much. I mean, there's a, a lifetime of play with that. And who knows, maybe I'll just switch to that to play out some of that stuff. Traveller, in any guise, will have to work very hard, though, as my science fiction gaming already has I think strong competitors that have hyper-jumped to the top of the priority stack. And we'll look at that when we look at 2023. Now, another game that has, well, I say unexpectedly, brought me multifarious delights is Blackbirds. Now, I'm a bit of a dungeon muser groupie. I participate on his Discord server and watch some of his YouTube streamed content. He's one of the most proficient and prolific GMs out there. Uh, somehow, he also holds down a high-powered career as well. I'm not quite exactly sure how he manages that and quite the volume that he pulls out, but he does an amazing job. 
and I've been added to his roster of players with an open invitation to join into streamed games as there is availability. So I have to say Kevin has been very kind. He's sent me a physical copy of the huge, and I mean huge, core book. It's 650 plus pages of very high quality paper, so it's quite dense and heavy. And I'm playing, I've played some sessions of his Blackbirds of Yule Christmas holiday event. Now, the Central Standard Time time zone presents my GMT with some challenging 2am starts, but it was truly worth it. The game is a very well-expressed dark fantasy riven with hope. The backdrop to this game is where a group of oligarchs have effectively slain the gods and they themselves are now coming uh, through an apotheosis, the very gods themselves usurping the old order. And the last three that they uh, slaughtered were the fates, the three fates, where when they were killed, they shattered and splintered with shards of fate splintering and spreading across the land and embedding themselves in, well, these eponymous blackbirds, the player characters, who will potentially bring change and hope into a land that is shrouded in the despair of recent events. Uh, A land that is already racked with war and uncertainty. It's Vihander-powered, with lots of elements from systems that I like, and it delivers a very good fantasy game, dripping with atmosphere and adventurous play potential. My first Zweihander game, by Zweihander I guess that means something with a legacy through to Warhammer uh, fantasy roleplay, which as a Brit I should know all about, and to my um, eternal shame I know very little. So this is my first foray into Zweihander. I would say all characters are competent when you start. It's a bit 50-50 unless you've really focused in on areas, but you also get uh, techniques and talents which build build out your character very, very nicely. So that's been great as well. Now, I've managed a, a good round of face-to-face conventions this year in a conscious push to get back out there after the pandemic times. I, my initiation to the Albear and Wizard staff and Grogmeet conventions were wonderful opportunities to meet up with many of the gaming family and have a good old natter and do what we do. I hope I can find my way back to both of those in 2023. Now I run garrison conventions so that's conventions at the garrison hotel. I'd say they're continuing to re-establish themselves as we assess attendance numbers as we head into a, a different stage of the pandemic I suppose. They look to be back and we shall certainly continue to run them. I think we have the shadow of COVID still. Um, I think both people who have at the last moment realised they can't make it because they're not well. And that's certainly affected our numbers and affected our schedule for the conventions. So I don't think we're out of the woods yet by any stretch of the imagination. But I think people are prepared to leave their homes, come together and, and meet and play. So on that basis, then I think I think the conventions are indeed uh, back. I want to call out Remy's Blade Runner game at Furnace as one of the games that I've really enjoyed. There have been many others. Um, I think Matt Broom's uh, Ars Magica uh, second edition, I would st- I, w- I would stress, was excellent as well. Uh, I've played I played quite a few uh, quite a few more. Um, these just stand out in my mind. We had a great time with Blade Runner actually, another free league game, top group of players, and Remy ran a really really good game. So all very good. 
A further convention which I managed to return to after some time was Continuum, which was running for the first time in quite a long time, I think. Now, Continuum was my first, or at least an early version of Continuum, was my very first ever convention back in the day. And that it runs it in the university in Leicester, that where I held from, where I lived as a child, only adds to the reminiscent joy of the event. Now, I managed to run three games there, two of which were my own tripod system, and the Friday night one was a riot of at least eight players. Now, I wouldn't ordinarily have, I hasten to add, even with tripod, eight players. It was a scheduling confusion. But sometimes these things, sometimes they just work out. It was such incredible fun. I mean, it was a riot. It was an absolute riot. We had so much laughter and rocking role play throughout. Tripods, I'll I'll big up tripod just a little if I may. Its light and flexible mechanics effortlessly supported the session and gave a platform for the characters to demonstrate their worth and what they were like. I had old Continuum friends playing. It was lovely. I had uh, Simon Bray. Uh, Mark Galliotti, I had um, I had Doctor Moose, uh, I had Colin Driver as an, as another what I would call some of the old guard, uh, and lots of lovely new players as well, young players in fact, an eclectic blend that brewed magic for an evening. It's it's funny when this 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 happens, but th- the magic that that evening of role play created has been etched in the annals of my most memorable games ever. And you can't see it, but I'm smiling, because it reminds me why I do it. You know, why do I get involved in these things? It's moments like that when people come together and uh, have the most amazing and fun times. There are many play highlights uh, throughout my year. Somehow I always manage to put out a, a reasonably fun, I would say, Infinity 2D20 game despite the weight of the crunchy system, it, it, might, it might well say more about the excellent players I was lucky to attract. But nevertheless, that monster heavyweight of a game has such a mass of cool ideas, factional setting and action-thumping mechanics that the gravity of all that pulls in great play into its singularity. More to come on that. I do more than play, um... And the play has been great, as I hope you got a flavour of. But book writing is something that I do from time to time. And I managed a couple this year. I find writing for role-playing games is a complementary but very different aspect to the hobby that uh, enriches uh, what I do. It, it, I probably reflect most when I'm writing than certainly when I'm podcasting <laughs> um, or indeed even blogging, to be honest. I'm not really, well, I, I don't need to tell you, do I really? Because you do know I'm not really one of these deep analysers who looks at the theory of role-playing uh, and indeed associated and complementary theorem and provides you with expert guidance on how to do it properly. There are others who actually do do that and do it very well. I think I'm just a bit of a frother, you know, an enthusiast. I like to talk about games, about what my experience is and how much I enjoy them. How deep do I go? Well, how deep is your love? 
not that deep, I don't think, uh, when it comes to the, at least the theory that sits behind it. I might occasionally sort of wistfully head off in those directions, but mostly it's just, look at this, it's Brill. And on that regard, the writing is the place where I get some of that thought come comes in. I've managed to get a couple of short RPG books published under, well, my new banner, First Age Entertainment. Which cunningly shortens to Fay because, you know, I'm an elf. A Cepheus Deluxe Adventure. So I've mentioned it before. So I, I wrote a Cepheus Deluxe Adventure. Always be prepared. It's available currently on DriveThruRPG. I, I did it almost partly so that I could have a really good go at trying to learn Affinity Publisher, the desktop publishing software. I've had Affinity for quite a while. And apart from using it as a sort of single pager for various you know assets for games, I haven't really got to the well, let's try and use it to actually fully lay out a book. And I, it kind of eluded me, and I kind of felt it was too much for me, and I was struggling with it. Well, I think all it took was for me to be retired, to be honest. So I spent I spent a good couple of days getting my head around it, and I needed that dedicated time. And I managed to kick out a book using it. Basic expertise, I'm going to say, to publish a print product on Drive Through RPG. I will do um, a follow-up. I hope to do some follow-up publishing using Affinity and I ought to write down the steps that I take to do it and hopefully by sharing that it will be helpful to somebody else. I would certainly recommend Affinity Publisher to you if you're thinking about um, some layout software. It's highly affordable and quite rich in terms of its capabilities and I know quite quite a number of mainstream publishers, um, names that you will recognise who publish gorgeous books are using it. So it's got it's got the legs, it's got the sort of depth and the support to be able to do quite intricate layout design. So that was good stuff. So I've learned something there and I've got Cepheus Deluxe uh, Adventure uh, out. I'd like to extend that book actually, the adventure, further to a full subsector. I am a bit overawed by the effort involved to make that one really fly. So I've got some, I've done a few bits for it, but I think it'd be a lot of work. So I could do it, but it would probably consume most of the year uh, in and out of the other things that I do in my life. The other one I got out, and I was really, really pleased to get this one out, was Tripod Traits in Pools of Dice, which is my small narrative role playing game. It's published, it's out, it's available again on drive-thru. I've simplified and, to my mind anyway, improved on my 10 years old wordplay, which has a bit of a following out there, uh, which is really nice to know. I'm not sure how big a following, but it does have a following. Um, I'd like to mention Dom again. I mentioned Dom earlier in Curse of Strahd. It's the same Dom. He persevered really with the layout for that book. He did a wonderful job. This is a guy who's got a very full life with work and family too. So Starman, thank you, Dom. Now I've also this year finished the first draft of a second edition of my heroic fantasy game. Now that's this is a black hack based high fantasy game. I quite like the changes that I've made uh, and some of the additions, and I hope to get this game out after some playtesting in early 2023. As a slight departure, I would like to have this particular game, Heroic Fantasy, yes, available on drive-thru, but also available as part of the Play Role Creators Programme. That's the Role uh, Virtual Tabletop. They have a sort of publisher's 
a creators pro program where they now have a marketplace for games and provide support in creating room environments on their on their platform for these games. That's kind of great. So I want to do both and I'll try and do that during 2023. I have to say I'm so bowled over by Dragonbane. The game itself, the full game, it's in beta at the moment. The full game is coming out in August of 2023. I'm so delighted with Dragonbane. I've kind of looked at heroic fantasy again and thought, why? <laughs> but I think it is, yeah, it's got something. And I know some people out there rather like it. And it is very much drawn from a sort of basic D&D stable, underpinned, obviously, by uh, David Black's The Black Hat uh, rule structure. So I, I can see me running it more to the point. So I will crack on and get that done. But it's funny when you you sort of half completed or mostly completed something and then something else comes along and you, it does make you think, hmm, hmm. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I don't want to downplay it. I think I think the heroic fantasy is a bit of a bit, a bit of a good laugh. But I'll find out in, in a playtest. I'll run that playtest on roll. So if you fancy playing, well, I don't know. Give me a shout. <laughs> One of the things about retiring is, is I, and particularly with the writing, actually, not so much the game sessions, but certainly the writing. I don't want to fall into the trap of being defined by my outputs, especially the quantity. Now, after I left my job, apparently. Well, in fact, not apparently, I know it was widely recognised that actually I was probably doing about three jobs. <laughs> and, and, and that was what it felt like, to be honest. Now, not being defined by throughput has been one of the hardest things for me to shake as I transition into my new way of being. You know, I've, I've spent my whole life, really, working flat out, producing things. The things being, you know, documents, proposals, presentations... E- e- endless emails, good talks, stand-ups, all, all sorts of things that I've, that I've undertaken, business cases even, which I've undertaken over the course of my, my career. I don't, I don't want to be the case where I start to have a go at myself for not producing more books, because <laughs> that's not really what it's about. I think set targets a little, sure, and some structure to help me get there and produce something that I'm happy with, but really not to get too hung up about how much I'm doing on that. Because, you know, I know myself, I will always find a way to try and disappoint myself. And that's something that drives me. And I really need to keep guard on that. So writing is a pleasure and I'll do some. But I'm not going to sort of beat myself with a stick if I'm not producing a book every month. There we are. Probably finally on my writing. I have to say, I mentioned Continuum. What are the highlights of my year, other than perhaps the game at Continuum that I mentioned was a, a particular delight to be greeted by Mark Galliotti with a very early copy of Gran Meccanismo, which was his clockpunk fantasy in Renaissance Italy. And it was really nice because it was one of the first first copies out for the game. And Mark, who you can also find uh, in his excellent podcast in Moscow's Shadows, so gratifying to see the tripod engine being picked up and honed for a separate creative work. And Mark's uh, Grand Mechanismo, which is available through Osprey Publishing. And uh, it was so lovely to get to sort of meet him, say hello, and for him to produce, with a slight flourish, uh, the book, which was absolutely lovely. I'm going to miss Continuum next year for the, for the nicest of reasons. I'm, I'm abroad somewhere, it's flopped by, you know, by a pool somewhere, um, which will be lovely. But I, unfortunately, I will miss Continuum. But I do hold out some hope that I'll get a game 
of Grand Mechanismo, run by the author, at least at some point, during my Act 3 of life. (laughs) Well now, there we are, a bit about my writing. Now I'd like to talk a bit about virtual tabletops and how they have facilitated play during 2022. there's probably no doubt that the majority of my tabletop role-playing play will continue to be online. I wonder how you've managed that transition around the pandemic from online play, if you indeed undertook any online play, to face-to-face play. Have you switched back mostly to face-to-face as as your gaming group got back together? Mine hasn't. Conventions have, but I don't have currently a you know, face-to-face group that I would play with. And so online seems to be where it's at, not least because during that pandemic, you know, I've made friends with people internationally, America, Canada, I think, predominantly, predominantly. And so by being online, it facilitates play with people that otherwise I would not be able to game with. Maybe you found something a little bit the same. There's lots out there that you can use and... For me, of the current crop of games that I'm playing, at its simplest, probably would be the Pathfinder game that I'm playing in the second edition Pathfinder game, um, which is being run by Pete. Pete's elected to essentially use Discord video um, so we can see each other, which I I think is an important part of the uh, play experience when you're online. Can you actually see each other? But certainly um, Discord can enable that quite easily. And we're using Albert Rodeo, which is a very simple uh, map and token virtual tabletop, which does certainly enough to facilitate play. We're also using, I have to say, Path Builder for our character sheets. So we're using a range of tools is what I'm saying. You probably don't need to use any of these. I, I, I still think some form of visual video box representation of the players is important but beyond that there probably isn't very much more that you absolutely should need or but I find that they're useful and I do use virtual tabletops I think I think given that the tools are there they're easy to use uh, and they're certainly readily available at, at either very low or no cost then it's well worth it the two that I use are are very different they're sort of chalk and cheese really uh, one is roll it's no it's playroll.com if you're looking for it, roll, R-O-L-E, playroll.com. Roll is a free-to-use, very light uh, tabletop that is, how is it described? It describes itself more as sort of like a, a gaming experience platform or something. It's it's essentially, it's built around video conferencing software. So the focus is on the video conferencing boxes of the players. So given what I've said, I've just said, you'll appreciate why I'm interested in this as a virtual tabletop. It has dice rollers, it has uh, sheets that you can create, character sheets, other types of sheets, and you can create them. You can build them up from uh, uh, drag and drop. Not, no, it's not drag and drop really. It's a point and click interface where you can select uh, items and build them in. In fact, yeah, I, think, I think it is drag and drop actually. But so it's got a sheet builder and you can. it's got a tactical map capability, which is, I would say, one of the areas that they haven't prioritised completely for their development. They've focused on sort of richer experience around the video conferencing. And there's a lot more for that to come. It's my favourite VTT. It's currently free to use. I do wonder if in time, 
when they reach a particular point either through their business model or their development cycle that they will switch to a subscription model. I would expect that to happen, but right now it's free to use and it's ace <laughs> and I, I'll be running quite a few games on there. The aforementioned Heroic Fantasy we played on there. I will be playing out uh, Infinity 2D20 on there. I, I'm, I'm sure others, I'm sure others. In fact, Dragonbane itself, I've just finished a sheet to play out Dragonbane. So, roll, well worth looking at, I would say. Take a look, take a look. I also use Foundry, which is a sort of detailed integration kind of a, a platform. Uh, I use it hosted on Forge, which is a hosting platform for it. You can just buy Foundry as a one-off license and self-host it, which keeps the cost right down for my internet connection and for the usage it gets from other members of my household. I've decided that's not probably for me. And certainly by hosting Foundry on Forge, it simplifies everything for you. Forge do all the heavy lifting for you in terms of making the games available uh, and the storage online. I, I think I'd like to get all my games onto roll. And I, I think this will probably depend on the development path that they take and how they prioritize their developments over the next year. I say year, I think in practice this might actually even take a couple more years before I feel it's got everything that I would really want. I could I could do it now. It's good, easily good enough for me to do it now, but I think it's got a way to go before it will do everything. If there is a system on Foundry that is pre-built, then I think there's a really good chance that I would run that game on Foundry. So to give you an example... Foundry has not only Coriolis, which is a game I'm looking at for next year, uh, as a system sheet, but the first part of the three-part epic Mercy of the Icons uh, saga, that is available as a sort of purchase item on Foundry. And what that will give you is all the maps done for you, all the assets done for you, all the tokens I expect done for you, uh, and other bits and pieces as well. So really you, you buy it and it facilitates and really play, certainly for the first third of that entire saga. I have written to Free League to say, are you going to do part two? Are you going to do part three? I don't think it was a very high priority request, so I haven't actually received a reply from that. I think the answer probably is no. So I'm going to have to sort of, well, sort of scrape some assets together and put them onto Foundry. But Foundry is very good. I also use a particularly hosted uh, solution for their video conferencing boxes. Again, because video conferencing is so important to me uh, and it needs to be rock solid, there is uh, quite a nice capability on there. This is called uh, LiveKit and it's a module that you can implement directly through Forge. But you have to be on a particular tier of Forge hosting to get that. Or, as I do, I go to the Patreon where the developer of LiveKit is also hosting a solution. And I go there to support him and his efforts. So I spend some money, basically, on hosting Foundry. And I spend a little bit of patronage money on the audiovisuals. But together, that's, that's a proper expenditure. So I'm spending money on Foundry, so I really need to get some play in. I think Coriolis will feature on there. I think Trudvan Chronicles. I've, I've designed a small sheet on Foundry. Foundry does have some, what I would call, point-and-click design sheets for those people who are not coders, I'm not, and still produce something that will interoperate reasonably well within the Foundry environment. 
So I've used one of those to create a very, very lightweight Trudvan Chronicles sheet, not with everything on the character sheet, but enough for dice rolling and, and managing assets, um, such as, you know, sort of body points and things like that, which I think will be used. So I will use the Foundry, and I kind of feel I really have to. You know, if I'm spending money on it, I really need to get it used. And Foundry is excellent. I mean, it's easily... Um, I mean, I, I rate it certainly considerably higher than uh, Roll20, which I will play on, but I, won't, I, will, I certainly won't run a game on, on Roll20. And Fantasy Grounds, probably I rate it over that as well. That's just my personal preference. But, 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 you know, all of these have their exponents and for very, very good reasons. But those, those two are enough for me. And they are very contrasting, so they cover basically virtually everything. Probably Roll for more Theatre of the Mind, quicker, lighter, or where I don't have a system. It facilitates play really, really well. And actually, I, I, I love the audio visuals on it. It's great. There's, there's things I could go on about that I don't like about it, but fundamentally, it's fantastic. Foundry, rich, deep integration, um, you know, automation on sheets, dice rollers and others are able to do a lot more than they can on, on, on roll. So between them, they sort of cover all the bases. Again, I wonder if I'll move on to roll full time. I'll let you know and see how I get on. And indeed, I've played on Roll20. So um, the, the the other platform I play on is Roll20. The entire Curse of Strahd campaign has been on Roll20. And that's that's managed it you know, very, very well. As I say, it's, it, I think Roll20 is kind of not for me. And I, as it happens, I haven't invested in a lot of assets, you know, an in integration on Roll20. So it's easy for me not to use it because <laughs> it's like a money decision and I, 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 you know, I just simply haven't spent the money. So that's my VTTs and they will continue to get a lot of use uh, during 2023. In addition, I mean, I, I do like to do the occasional um, sort of YouTube video. So I do have a YouTube video channel now for all of all things, mostly reviews, me talking about particular games. I'm going to um, construct another video tomorrow on Dragonbane and talk about the latest iteration of the beta of this game that's coming um, later uh, next year. So I do a bit of that. Uh, I've got a blog. I do regular blogging. And that's again where I do some writing. Again, it's mostly froth. It's froth. It's not, you know, I, I don't have the sort of deep psychology or an understanding of game theory. It's, it's froth. It's froth. But, you know, it's, it's hopefully readable and amusing froth, nevertheless. And, of course, the occasional podcast as I speak. I think the other thing I try to do is to be resolutely pleasant on Twitter. You know, there's such a lot of, dear, there's a lot of nonsense that goes on in social media. Uh, yes, I have moved to Mastodon. I, I can't really work out where I should be, to be honest. I mean, I just, I mean, I do, okay. I, I mean, I've got friends on both. I probably are straddling the two at the moment in a slightly uncomfortably. But I think whatever you are, I think you kind of need to work out what your role is, you know, in the community. And I think we all, we all kind of offer something each in our own way. And mine seems to be, Mine seems to be creating spaces for people to come and actually play because I take such great delight in bringing people together and, 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 and gaming. So I do quite a bit of that with the conventions. But I think the other is really I'm just a frothy enthusiast and I'll speak very positively about whatever I'm doing. You know, the fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons renaissance. It's a thing. I tell you, it's absolutely a thing. <laughs> Well, maybe it isn't, but certainly, you know, I just, I thought I'm going to go for it online and froth about the game and be enthusiastic about it. And there's, you know, I found, I found sizable numbers of adherents who absolutely love fourth edition. Who'd have thought it? Well, I wouldn't when I started off, but I've met lots of great people as a consequence. 
I'm frothing currently about Dragon Bane. Tingles. It's the Tingles. Remember the Tingles? Yeah, if I get the Tingles, I'm going to I'm going to tingle about it. Cephas Deluxe is another. And there'll be more that will come next year. Um, share the love and talk a bit about why I like it, of course. But you never know until you play, do you? There you are. So, that's what I do. And now what I think I'll do is I might talk a little bit about 2023. So that's coming next. So 2023. 2022 has been a great year for gaming. Can I match it in 2023? Well, it's not a competition. Um, But I hope I get the variety, the depth, and the joy of play that I've had in 2022. And I hope your, as I say, I hope your 2022 has been a good gaming year for you. I know online play will continue to be the means by which I play. There'll be as much face-to-face play as I can manage. Perhaps a regular Dragonbane game running at our friendly local game store down at Patriot Games. It's a, it's a lovely store. If, if you're in Sheffield or, in, or anywhere near Sheffield, get yourself over to Patriot Games. Look it up online. They've got a huge gaming area. They've also got a lovely cafe now with very, very good hot chocolate amongst other things, uh, and cakes, uh, and, you know, uh, savoury snacks and so on. So, um, yeah, I'm going there just for the cafe, actually. <laughs> well, I'd like to get some games in there if, as well and, and feel a part. There's all, I've also got an option of a room uh, above a pub in Crooks. Now, that's old school. That's, that's really old school. Crooks being a, a, a district in my hometown of Sheffield. Maybe. And I will have some conventions and possibly, or possibly a playtest of the second edition of 13th Age to play into. Pete might run that. And if he does, it'd be great if we could run that face-to-face down at Patriot Games. Maybe, we'll see. The family gatherings that I've mentioned, well, they'll continue to explore Dragon Bane adventures. Uh, I'm really looking forward to those. It's such a fun game. So I suppose that's that's sort of the balance. I, I think it's bo- mostly going to be online. But in summary, and on I suppose on further reflection, I think... Dragonbane, Misty Vale is the setting for that. So I think there'll be anything that's published. There's about there's about eleven adventures on the Kickstarter to come. Well, they're all going to get a lot of play. I can tell you that now, and they'll, they they will come together as a campaign, and that's certainly going to be the family campaign. I do have a lot of Midgard, you know, Cobalt Presses, uh, Midgard, which has been published for I think first edition Pathfinder, others I think uh, fourth edition. I think Swords and Wizardry. I want to say that. I'm not sure. And obviously for 5th edition. I really like Midgard. It's got an Eastern European flavour to it. It's intricate. It's well done. And I've, 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 I've bought, you know, I've bought some 5e Midgard without actually really particularly owning 5e. But it's just the quality of it. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if I can, if I, what if I can Dragonbane it? So maybe Dragonbane, maybe a, dra- a Dragonbane Midgard might happen in twenty. 20- 23. So Dragon Bane's going to get a lot of my uh, GMing time. Infinity 2D20. So I mentioned that. that, that that'll be on roll. Dragon Bane, I think, will be on roll. Infinity 2D20, I've got all of it. <laughs> I think I don't... Well, no, hang on. I don't have the cards, and I don't have the geomorphic layouts for play. But I have. All, I think I have all the books, and I have all the PDFs of the books. I went, I went deep 
into Infinity 2D20 back in, I think it was 2015 when the Kickstarter may have started. I think it was about then, which means it's about seven years old as a Kickstarter. It does still keep putting out books. I don't know. I don't really know how. I'm going to run The Cost of Greed, which is a, a nice little mini campaign. It's one of the early campaigns for it. And I'm going to run it online. And I want to make it a short-ish, sharp, discreet campaign to get a flavour of the game. And I've got some players ready to go. And we're going to, we're going to play that out for... I'd say roughly the first two or three months of 2023. Really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be good fun and uh, a good change of pace and a good change of setting for me. So that's one of the science fiction games that is holding Cepheus Deluxe at bay. And it's that's definitely going to happen. It's racked up. I've got players. It, it will happen. We've done like the character generation for that. And I think we've got a little bit more to go. And then we're going to start playing actually next week, which is great. The other game I've kind of mentioned already, the other science fiction game that I think will have quite a bit of play next year will be Coriolis, Free League's Coriolis, marvellous sort of Middle Eastern themed uh, space opera. And I'll be running the Mercy of the Icons campaign, their classic campaign. I did mention that I would uh, confess to a couple of missteps. Well, Coriolis is one of them. Um, I think back... Well, we were 2021 maybe, or I think it may have been 2021. For for whatever reason, the Mercy of the Icons campaign, last time I ran it, I don't know whether it it was just me not firing on all cylinders, could have been, whether the players were not, or at least some of the players may not have been totally up for it or wanting it, or I just... Just had a run, a, a bad run of luck. I don't quite know what it was, but it didn't quite, didn't quite fire. I kind of feel like it's my unfinished business, <laughs> and it's such a good campaign. I think it's got a lot going for it. The setting throughout the three books are impacted and affected by what the players do, which is great, isn't it, when that happens? And Coriolis itself is one of the early uh, Year Zero engine systems, sort of D six dice pool systems, one of the early ones. I happen to like it a great deal. It's it, in some ways it's. I'm going to say simpler and less, slightly less convoluted than, say, Forbidden Lands, much as I frankly love Forbidden Lands. Great game. Will I get the same crew as last time? I don't really know. But I, th- I think I would like to give that a proper go. That's a big one. And I think one of the, one of the things when I say it's a big one or it's a, it's a small one, and it's something I've learned, when I commit to running a game or when I commit to playing a game, I like to know up front what, what my commitment actually is and by that I mean how long because I'd like to know what I'm getting into now in some ways I'm glad I didn't ask that question for Curse of Strahd because if I've been told it's going to be three years I, I might actually have said no because I the, the, the sort of the thought of playing it for three years not you know not sure if I want to commit for that long it's, it's been great but I think I think up front knowing that you know this is going to be an eight-week campaign this one and it's all estimated. Is it you know? Is it is an estimated sort of uh, six monther? Will let people know what they're like, what they're sort of getting into, and I'm also being clear about what I'm committing to for my GMing time. So it's important to do that. And and Coriolis will be on Foundry. Trudvang will also be on Foundry. I want to play at Wild Heart, which is a wonderful sort of mystic, dark, foreboding forest, uh, which the player characters get sort of caught up in in the adventure. I think some Trudvang could be possible. I'll have to see how that goes and what my time. And that, again, would be a quite a discreet campaign. I'd say Wild Heart could be played out. I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to have another look at it to be, and do a proper estimation. I'm going to say about a 10, 12 sessioner. So that's, again, 
achievable. I will be concluding my 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons Nentia Vale campaign. That's all been played on roll. If I was to start, I mean, and this game's been going a year and a half now. Or is it, is it more? Is it, it's, gosh, it's a long time. I've been playing a long time. But I think we're, I think we're almost, I think we're almost at, at the end of it. If I'd started, if I'd started today, I would have run it on Foundry. It's, it's easily got the assets. It's got, you know, uh, monster import capabilities. It's got a fully functioning uh, sheet linked to dice rolls. You can drag and drop assets, some of which you have to create. But it's a, it's a much more rounded experience, I think, on Foundry. But as it is, I think I will finish I will finish that campaign now, obviously, on roll, given that we haven't got that long, that long to go with it. It's been great fun, but all good things must come to an end. Now, I may be able to participate in one of the Dungeon Muser's many excellent campaigns, uh, which he does run on Roll20, which I'm very happy to play in. Possibly, I might like to see, I, I will see. He runs so many good games, and he's he's just recently done his 2022 sort of retrospective and look forward as well to 23. He's mentioned a whole host of games that I'd obviously love to play in, so we'll see if I can manage to get an extra one in. It'd be great if you could play one, you know, that, coincide with my Wednesday afternoon that'd be great I'll just do that <laughs> I've got time during the day another game that uh, I picked up in just at the very tail end of 2022 which I would recommend to you is the Mithras based so we're talking the Mithras being the uh, d- design mechanisms highly refined and probably what I would regard as I'm going to call the ultimate version of sort of basic role-playing, the old basic role-playing system. They, they have made it something amazing. But the game that's caught my eye is based on Mithras, and it's called the Comai Engine, which has been created by Clarence Red of Frostbite Books. Now, Clarence is, I think he's Swedish. I could be wrong. I'm going to say he's Swedish. What is it with Sweden? I don't know. Anyway, Clarence, who has got He's got history with Mithras because he's produced M Space, which is a rather excellent space opera underpinned by the full Mithras engine. And his books are available on drive-through. And I do have some of them and they're very, very good. What I noticed was the Comai engine. So this, so I'm, I'm already a big fan of Clarence's work. You know, he's got a very stylishly developed science fiction game uh, under, his, under his belt. But the Comai engine, he describes as a downsized role-playing game when you need quick mechanics to tell a good story. And he's done a very good job of bringing, of applying like an Occam razor to, Mithra, to, to Mithras and cut it right down to the absolute bare essentials, back to its core, as he describes it. It's versatile. It's really, it's a conflict resolution system. Um, so that you can do, you know, mysteries, social conflicts, puzzles, stunts, Yes, and combat, uh, and most other challenges. And he's got different currencies or resources that get expended depending on which sort of a conflict you are sort of uh, undertaking, of which possibly hit points might be one of them. But that's only one of four uh, different currencies. Um, He's done a really good job with it. I think it has nine skills, broad D100 skills, and they can be optionally further detailed with focus, which provides, I think, a plus 20% on top. So it's a, it's a percentile system. It's basically Mithras to start. And each skill is given three suggested foci to begin, 
with three available for initial characters and you're encouraged to create your own and throughout this you know it's a very light game it's i'd say it's i'm not sure how many pages i'm going to say 40 but it's 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 of that order of magnitude you can skin it so you'd skin the focus to be well where do you want your focus for your game to be well make your foci if you if you use them i think focus are actually an optional rule but i like it well skin it and describe them as you will and then you've you've themed the game immediately to the sorts of conflicts that you want to actually undertake in your game you can focus uh, sorry excuse the word you can you can you can zone in on multi-role extended conflicts so more like round by round based conflicts so a firefight for example might might indeed be a five to ten second interval you can just drop down to that a grand societal conspiracy well each round in that might take a week of time uh, and will doubtless have different currencies in play and different skills. One of the skills is willpower, and the foci for and the focus for willpower provides emotional drives for defining how a character acts in play. Really nicely done. Beyond skills, we've got tax. These are advantages that a character has, acc- uh, has, has accrued throughout their life. They've got 12 suggested tags that you can use, and you're encouraged, again, to reskin these, which I probably would do the job, or indeed to create some whole new ones to fit into the game that you're playing. But you've got that core there. I think the yeah the, the, the four resource pools that, that, that get expended to keep you in conflicts, one is body for combat, one is int for like intellectual challenges, one is power for luck-based situations, and one is charisma for... Uh, social interactions and when a pull comes down to zero your your character is out of the conflict and what it means is up to you and the gm to to decide and they've got some rules about pushing on beyond zero and things like that you've also got lenses lenses are a bit like fate accelerated approaches in a way they're a narrative way of describing how you apply yourself to a particular conflict are you aggressive are you cautious and each of which of those modifies your skill and comes with a consequence so you you know if you make a decision to go down a particular lens, then you may get a benefit, but you get a consequence as well. And these can be applied to all sorts of skill roles and can also be switched mid-conflict to reflect changes in narrative and the way you want to describe what it is your character is doing. There's lots of lovely touches. NPCs with things with something called a code block generator, which is a very quick way of describing keywords to describe. Um, NPCs which are which come in three different tiers of power I like it on a whole lot of fronts actually it's short it's honed for maximum effect for minimum crunch simple but familiar and and very loved D100 resolution it's in that BRP world much like uh, Dragonbane so I seem to be coming back to D100 again very important in my sort of early 80s youth but I'm coming through, well, different lenses. Thank you, Clarence, for that. So very, very good. Uh, the, P- the PDF beta is a couple of quid on drive-thru. I'd recommend you taking a look at it. It's it's really very interesting. And it's got a little bit more to go. It's fully it's fully featured. You could, you could use it today. But I think he's going to do a little bit more honing of that to get it exactly as he wants it. So there is the Comi engine as well. Will it, will it draw me into play? Might do. Might do. One of my misfires, I said I'd talk about misfires. One was Conan 2D20. Um, that was a campaign uh, this year that t- didn't quite happen. It was probably my only misfire for this year. It w- this was just due to some scheduling difficulties. I couldn't seem to get the players to come together 
um, to play. I mean, it happens. I'm not pointing fingers. It just happens. People have got lives. You know, it's just the way it is. The campaign is loaded into Foundry Virtual Tabletop. When I say it's loaded, I loaded it. I've done a lot of work to get that campaign ready. Conan 2D20 is another system that Foundry uh, supports. Ah, really, I should play that. You know, it's the Shadow of the Sorcerer campaign. It's a nice campaign. Again, you're looking at, I don't know, what would you say? Maybe 12, 13 weeks or 12, 13 sessions of play, I would say, would get you through most of it. Maybe, maybe Conan might be a return. So I've got a Coriolis kind of a, a misfire from a bit before, and I've got a Conan 2D20. They say never go back. Never go back. Well, I'm, I'm maybe going back to both. Who knows? It may happen. I'd like to think it does. I, I do think Dragonbane and Coriolis might well be the two that get quite a lot of my GMing time this coming year. In terms of play, well, I shall certainly play Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I'm playing that now. That'll run into next year. Possibly the 13th Age playtest as well, which I suspect will be quite a discreet set of sessions where we have a go at it. I've got a few of my... Uh, another friend of mine, Nathan's 5, 5E... Uh, around Neverwinter, so I might play some of that. And there's the concluding Curse of Strahd 5e sessions, I think just two more to go. They'll get some play. So I'm confident about all those. Perhaps some Confer D&D 4e convention online play, maybe one or two of those, we'll see. But I think that might be where my D&D, well, maybe my D&D subsides for 2023. The one I haven't mentioned is one D&D. It holds no particular appeal to me, but I've got friends who might be interested in playing it and wanting to play it, and I might well join that. So I say that's where it will subside. Let's actually see. I might get sucked into some of that. Of course, what I'd also hope is to hope to is to join some other games from my close gaming family friends. Great friends who are great GMs and like to GM and want to play things. So there's going to be a rich array of games I can probably choose from a little bit if I'm quick next year. No shortage, that's for sure. It's going to be more about managing how much I can really get through and play and slightly prioritising what it is I really want to play. It's, it's a nice place to be, but I think I think that's where I will be. And if I'm finding that there's not much going on, well, I'll just run one of the, one of the mentioned above, you know, and just, just put something out there. Great. Well, that, that's kind of what's happening in 2023. It's going to be another good year, I, I, th- I think. And now let's just, um, well, I think it's time to say ta-ta. So I'm going to head to the outro. Well, what a load of blather that was. I'm back to excited frothing, aren't I? Bit of tingling thrown in, I guess. That's what I do. It's been a good year, and I think it's going to be a great year ahead as well, actually. I'm expecting, you know, let's, let's you know, I've, I've laid markers down, haven't I? But I I expect to be diverted down unexpected and otherworldly pathways full of magic and adventure and in directions that I'm probably not quite expecting. And that's the delight of the hobby. Well, it's another delight of the hobby. The way that others will come along and present to you an opportunity to explore an other world and not one that you were remotely expecting and to experience what it's like to be in that other world through play and... There's going to be a lot more of that in 2023. Will I top 115 sessions? Well, it's not a competition, he says. But yeah, I'll probably get a good number in, if not 115. And to you, well, I hope you have a similar wonderful 2023.
similarly <laughs> diverted down those unexpected and otherworldly pathways and find really good gaming with good friends. So all the best to you as we head into a 2023 that will be full of friendship and wonder. All the best. Cheers.